0: Dr. Jessica Bennett, and this is the Mindful Literacy Podcast. In this podcast, you will hear inspiring interviews with teachers and experts in the field who will give you actionable tips and strategies that you can immediately implement in your teaching practice. In episode five, I interviewed Ross Flechter. Ross has a master's degree from The Ohio State University in special education and is a certified international behavior analyst. He is currently teaching abroad in Sydney, Australia. Ross and I catch up and talk about the importance of leading by empowerment, partnering with teachers, organizing community, listening to experts, and placing value on being an adult learner. Ross also shares personal anecdotes of his nephew, who has Dandy-Walker syndrome. If you are like Ross and are a budding leader in education, you will enjoy this interview. Well, good morning, Ross.
1: Hello, good evening (laughs) from my end of the world.
0: Yes, it's been several years since I've seen you, and you moved to Australia about a year ago.
1: Yes. Um, I'm here in Sydney, Australia. Jessica said it's just been about a year. Um, Enjoying life here so far. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Jessica and I had the chance to meet um, years in passing and teaching at a school for the deaf in Columbus. I studied at The Ohio State University and got my bachelor's degree in moderate to intensive special education. My first job out of college, I always coined it as my first big boy job, um, was working at that deaf school. Um, I was teaching an elementary K-5 through unit of students with multiple disabilities. An amazing first opportunity. um, Learning to sign and use a visual modality of communication has stuck in my heart and carried a very special place of the individuals that I serve up to this day. Um, I'm going to
0: stop you for a second because I think... What, my memory of you having that job are our friends, our mutual colleagues at the deaf school saying, wait, Jessica just went to OSU and Ross just came from OSU. Do you guys know each other? And they introduced us and you, um, you were just from the get go, such a, um, eager teacher to, and you never stopped learning. So when I said, hey, I am taking this administrative course, I need to practice observing teachers. You were like, come on in. And when I came in, you were in the room I had left. And you're so I always felt very bonded to you.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, for sure. And then we had an interesting, a few years later, um, I started studying my master's degree in special education while I'm um, working for them. Not only at the deaf school, I did a year in a suburban district with emotionally disabled kids, um, seventh to eighth graders predominantly, and working with that district as a behavior specialist. But then I started the master's program across three years because I was a um, part-time student in applied behavior analysis, studying under Malone and then Jessica. And I had the wonderful chance to cross paths again in graduate school together.
0: Yeah, and you helped. You were like, we. I was. Reminding my husband, you know, preparing for this interview. And I was like, remember Ross he used to come over and he would just score through hours and hours of film because we did a study at the deaf school and I needed someone who knew sign language to be an inner observer. And he would just you would sit there and take your data on the videos. And that was a really difficult job. But I mean, our study ended up getting published and that was such a, an amazing accomplishment.
1: Yes. Yeah. And you were so kind to share, Um, as you said, such an eager learner, and I always want to continue learning. So it was amazing to have an opportunity um, to work under doc students like you and Megan Miller. Yeah, I'm always going to feel (laughs) a huge connection and appreciation for you guys and the role you've served in my my development. Um, Fast forward to now, Australia. International education has always been something near and dear to my heart. Um, I kind of manifested coming over here to Australia. And so as a good segue um, to learn to kind of start running my own centers, um, learn to be a better leader and also disseminate behavior analysis in a world where it's not as predominant as the United States. Um, so, I'm working with a consulting agency and kind of stepping out of my comfort zone now, I'm not working with just children, um, which I would have previously said was a specialty area for mine. Um, but at Nice Songer Center, did I did I tell you about Nice Center? No, not yet. Okay. So, I, I had this after I stopped teaching, I went and worked with the Nice Songer. Um, team, behavior support team at Ohio State. And we when I started, we had a childhood unit and then an adult unit. And towards the end of my four-year career with them, that was kind of merged. And I'm really happy for that learning experience too. Um I feel like starting out as a young teacher, it was more comfortable for me to be working with younger populations. But I'm finding to generalize those skills across populations, working with adults is so important. Um, so I'm appreciating the right right now. Sometimes I feel like it's out of my scope, but you know, I'm I'm up for the challenge.
0: Yeah, I feel like as an intervention specialist, you know, we're usually licensed pre-K through 12 or K through 12 and like everyone has their preferences in terms of like specializing in behavior interventions or reading or math. And we also have our preferences on age groups. I think it's, it's like, it's a great life lesson to learn and be pushed out of your comfort zone to say, yeah, even though I really like teaching elementary age kids to read, that's me. You know, my, I remember my first job as an intervention specialist was with high school kids and I was teaching math. So yeah, it is a, you have to be really, um, well-rounded and open to, um, you know, the education you're providing to everybody.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I always thought, you know, and even coming here at First Ulster, I'm like saying no to my supervisor. I only work with like, um, dual diagnoses, low incidence populations. Um, they they use the term comorbidities over here. Um, but my, my supervisors have been like, I'm going to push you to just be working with, you know, more high functioning individuals that have um, schizoaffective disorder. And I'm like, let's do it. But I, I feel like I'm settling in. And it's like you said, giving me a well-rounded um, sort of framework to work, work under and a holistic approach. Because going and working with the little, little kids and um, collaborating with those families, it's good to have a vision of what the future might look for them.
0: Yeah, totally. No, I was just I'm curious because, you know, you're talking about starting off as a classroom teacher and really and you know, your our focus is teaching children, but then you really kind of gave us the lens of stepping back and saying, "Well, we're really not just teaching kids." And I that's kind of what I say all the time is, we're, you know, I'm an elementary school teacher, but I'm also teaching um, parents and I'm teaching the other adults that we're working with. Yeah. And a lot of it is some some basic principles of behavior analysis. And so when we're talking about teaching and learning, we are talking about behavior change and and we're talking about the teachers changing their behavior in order to affect change and learning in our students. So I want to talk to you about like, you know, hey, you're in this a different culture, you're in Australia and you mentioned that behavior analysis isn't necessarily mainstream right now. And so I'm just, I'd love to hear, you know, you as like a guest to this country and, um, recognizing that, Hey, there may be some things that I can contribute to improve, um, the quality of life for the people I'm working with. So I don't know if you want to touch on that now, but I feel like it's really a relevant point for all teachers because at some point, especially like we mentioned, um, you know, look. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a go getter and an eager learner, as yeah. a teacher too, right? So it's innate to say, "Oh, we could let's try this. Let's try to be a little bit better in this way." So I want to hear the lessons you've learned as a budding leader in the field in a different culture.
1: <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, I need to give credit to Dr. Elena Haberlin. She, um, during my undergrad bachelor's placement at OSU, she was studying her PhD under Dr. Malone, and she's been here in Australia for anywhere from 10 to 15 years. Um, She's the president of the Association for Behavior Analysis Australia and kind of leading this movement and development. And a country where we have the NDIS—it's the nat- National Disability Insurance Scheme—and right now um, we're at the cusp of services being offered to individuals with autism. Um, but behavior analysis didn't have the best best name here, and still doesn't. A lot of and providing good examples, bad examples of what behavior analysis is, and you know, showing that it can work and ethically practice and we don't just do discrete trial training um, um many of us provide a more robust sort of um intervention that can be applied in school settings and community environments so i'm i'm very happy to have the chance to be doing this it definitely is harder some days than others but and talking about my areas of specialty and the evolvement over of that. I feel like myself as a teacher, it's under confined to um, just a classroom in a a school setting. I'm constantly the learner, people like yourself, Dr. Dr. Haberlin, my CEO of my company, um, but then also a teacher to the caregivers, whether it be a skilled um, nursing facility that I'm working in, um, stakeholders working with you know all varieties of people and teaching them what I do and how they can improve and expand what's going on here in Australia. Um, disability inclusion is not in a caliber. Um, I hate com- compare different cultures, but there's not as many opportunities here, and it's something that I'm actively trying to participate and build.
0: So, how do you do that? I mean. We, you know, when we were, we were kind of catching up before the podcast and we were talking about like both of us are dreamers and we have to kind of rein ourselves in to say, okay, one thing at a time, one step at a time. So can you give an example of something that came up where you were like, Hey, I think we could maybe do this a little better. And how did you navigate that and kind of be the meta behavior analyst meta meaning like, you know. You're really trying to help clients, but in order to do that, you have to affect culture change and maybe thinking change.
1: Yeah, I think a vague way to respond to your question, um, and one of my professional development goals right now is exposing Australia to more, like I said earlier, a robust outlook on applied behavior analysis. Um, There are some schools specifically providing services for autism and using ABA here. And there's a lot of just discrete trial training, and what I think is like an archaic way of teaching. Um, So encouraging them to develop naturalistic learning opportunities. And my way of leading is really empowering other people. They have gone through education and bachelor's degrees and studied special education. So with me as a behavior specialist stepping into your classroom, I'm 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 gonna take what you're doing. You you take the rankings. Um, I just have some insight to tweak things here and there. Um, and then really just working with communities as well on providing more opportunities. There's an organization, a nonprofit called Gig Buddies here, and it's not like a service service provider. Um, it's started actually from a band in the UK. And they noticed that so many of their audience members were going home um, early at night. And it was because their caregivers had to have them home by a certain hour. So this individual worked on expanding those hours. Um, So slowly but surely, we're working with like NDIS to provide services to the individuals we're working with to do things like that, to pair up with a buddy that's providing just Opportunities that all of us would love to go and do, see a band, go out to the movies. Um, of course, we're at a very interesting point in time right now, so we're having to get creative with all that. Um, yeah <laughs>
0: that's great. So I'm hearing you know how important it is as a leader to really partner and stand shoulder to shoulder with people, right? And then the community piece, which is what I've been really focused on. Um, with a mindful literacy practice and building our our group of teachers who are focused on learning and growing together in a community, particularly with things related to literacy development and special education and mindfulness practices. Um, So yeah, the notion of community is so important, I think.
1: Oh absolutely. I'm working on fine tuning right now is my um and working with diverse communities. I have never been exposed to Maori um, populated populations or Aboriginal First Nations community. I read um a journal, a Colorado- a journal article about working with um, Maori um, families of children who have um, multiple diagnoses, and the first thing is that email is not going to work. You need to develop that rapport of face-to-face interaction, um, which I think is so incredibly important. You have to be very flexible and permeable, and you're on where you might be practice and be aware of extend the work that we do.
0: Oh, totally. So, Ross, you're you're sort of cutting out a little bit, you're cutting in and out. And Ross, you mentioned that the internet is notorious in the part where you are for <laughs> being a little spotty when there's some weather. Yeah. So I just want to recap what I think I heard you say was that you are really starting to dig in and learn about Maori Maori culture and aboriginal culture and how to um best serve people who come from those cultures that are quite different, even from the white Australian culture, um, which is huge. You know, you're in Australia now, but I'm sure you're well aware of the um, BIPOC movement that's going on and our social justice, you know, rallies that are going on um, and for very good reason. And so it's sort of like you're, but that's that's all over the world.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, there's black Lives movement, um, protests going on here and people of the communities out being outspoken about, um, misinformation that might be being spread related to COVID, um, peaks and numbers and stuff. So I think an important takeaway right now is to listen to the experts in different fields. You know, none of us should be, um, necessarily thinking we have the end-all be-all answer and we have to lean on on one another. It takes a village and people have devoted their lives to study certain things. Let's listen to it. (laughs) Can you tell me a bit more about um, mindfulness and that being a part of your nonprofit? Because one of my personal goals and something that I recently dove into is acceptance and commitment therapy. Looking at Evelyn Gold's work and I'm reading some Dr. Russ Harris books right now. Um, but making sure that I'm practicing self-care as a clinician for myself so that I can be my all for the people I'm advocating for. Yes.
0: Yes. And yes. So the mind, the notion of mindfulness where this started for me is I started on this personal journey of self-seeking in my own spirituality and my own mindfulness practice. And I worked with a yoga teacher, Susan Ashley Hunt with Live Lightly Yoga. And um, it started off with me just doing one-on-one spiritual connect sessions with her. And then those ended and I was like, wait, I'm just scratching the surface of the knowledge and practice that I need to acquire. So I ended up um, doing a 500 hour year long um, yoga teacher training course with her. And so through this journey, you know, it's, it, always, it always starts with me and myself and my inner reflection, but it's leaked out into every aspect of my life through parenting, through teaching, through partnership, through relationships. And now I'm hoping with this Mindful Literacy Columbus through my community community. You know, we're still talking, you're in Australia. Hey, maybe this will have an effect on the world. Maybe we'll have mindful literacy Sydney someday. Um but the notion is, yeah, it definitely mindfulness definitely starts with yourself. And you and I have already talked this this morning or this evening about looking at your own practice and looking at ways we can improve and looking at ways we can improve as a as a community, as a whether that be a school or whatever organization you're working with, but I think it's really, really important as a teacher and a and really we're caregivers, we're constantly giving energy, time, love. Absolutely. And we have to take care of ourselves first, particularly, and I noticed this in, in these times of COVID where, you know, they're unprecedented and we have to pivot very quickly and we have to come up with solutions to problems on the fly and they might not be as, you know, as perfectionists, they might not be what we wanted, but it's, you know, it got kids from point A to point B. Um, and so not having that, you know, self-care can be stopping those thoughts, those mental dialogues that you have with yourself, that it wasn't good enough and you beat yourself up. It's kind of accepting, you know, you talked about acceptance and commitment, accepting that what you did was good enough in that moment with what you had um, but yeah, like getting enough sleep, having proper nutrition, drinking enough water, sitting alone for five minutes.
1: Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm.
0: So here I was like practicing, you know, and through my, my yoga teacher training, I was doing up to 90 minute practices every day for a year. And part of that was the heart, one of the hardest things I had to do was to train myself throughout my workday at school to close my door, turn off the lights and sit for five minutes during lunch, five minutes. And it had a profound effect on my workday and what I was able to give the kids for the afternoon, five minutes. But it took me, I'm like, you know, you remember what it's like to be in a school where it's like it's lunchtime, which means that's when you get your grown-up work done, and you're shoving your lunch in your face, and you're on the computer checking your email, doing lesson plans, prepping for the afternoon. It was like, no, Jessica, sit for five minutes, and then you can do that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You have, you can't be a well-oiled machine without without your oil. Um, right. And we're not machines, so <laughs> making sure right. we're Kind to ourselves and feed ourselves what we need to put into action.
0: Yeah. So, with that being said, self care first, the mindfulness piece of it is really threaded throughout. So, it's also looking at, as a reading teacher, what can I do to become a better reading teacher? So, I was, you know, practicing in a suburban school district for five years and I, you know, was working so hard to get kids reading kids who had dyslexia, kids who are years behind their peers. And, you know, I, I was really bothered by the fact that I could get kids reading, but not spelling. And so it's sort of like, why, what is like, what is it, what I need to do? What do I need to learn so that they can become more well-rounded readers and writers and spellers? So to me, the mindfulness piece is literally like being more mindful about teaching literacy, but you touched on it. Also, it is Having a, a literacy about mindfulness, understanding what mindfulness is, and how to incorporate that into almost every minute of your day. Awesome. Yeah, right.
1: Very cool. Very powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, it's very. Um, it really, it really is, and it it really boils down to just paying attention and being present. <laughs> Um, so you know those moments when you're teaching. You said you're learning all the time when you're teaching. I do too. I mean, I, it's it's so much fun, but it's those moments when you you're teaching and you're learning and you're like, wait, this isn't working. Why isn't it working? And I think like you and I both get obsessed with like why, why, why,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So kind of <laughs> peeling back all of those layers and digging in and finding out, finding out why. So. One of the things that I, that's been burning on my heart and soul since I started practicing teaching, since I went back to grad school is the achievement gap. And so mindful literacy, you know, I have mindful literacy practice, which is my own private practice, but then I have the sister nonprofit mindful literacy Columbus, which is giving back to the community, um, and trying to really close the achievement gap one kid at a time.
1: Good on you. I love
0: it. Yeah. I want to start a center, but for this year, I would like to sponsor one kid, one kid's tutoring. So that's where we're at.
1: Start this one. Build it and they will come. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. And, uh, it's, and maybe like half a dozen volunteers would be nice. (laughs) You know, people who know how to keep me organized.
1: In Columbus. Oh, I I love Columbus. The sense of community is, Phenomenal in Columbus. I absolutely love it. So I think you have an amazing platform um to grow and conquer conquer your dreams.
0: Hopefully. Thank you so much for your support. Always. And I'm living vicariously through you being in Australia. It's a pretty good place to be.
1: Definitely enjoying it and trusting and um going through some of those discomforting things like being away from my family. My sister, um Not seeing my niece and nephews grow up right now tears at me so much. Um, My sister, Shalyn is also a teacher. She has her PhD in early intervention and works for uh, the school district that we both grew up in and is an administrator there. But she had a little boy, my nephew, January 1st of 2018. Sorry, 2019. So he's one years old. He was born with Dandy-Walker syndrome. He's um, an extremely rare neurological disability. He has some significant health um, problems as well, um, ranging from seizure disorder and epilepsy. So the corpus callosum is like a fiber that connects either side of our brain, I guess. No medical doctor, but that's completely absent and missing for him. Um, but my sister, I can't imagine a better, better mama for this boy with the skills that she does possess and navigating the, the unknown. I mean, nobody has a manual to this life we do. Whether it be teaching some a little kiddo to read or navigating the Medicare system or NDIS, but you know, it it takes. Things like being uncomfortable, find your way, and appreciating the moments that we do do progress. So yeah, I, I I live for Wrigley. He's my he's my motivation and inspiration, and lots that I do.
0: That is so sweet. I'm I'm sure that you are a fantastic, Uncle, even from afar. <laughs> I I'm going to research Dandy Walker syndrome now. Um, build my own awareness about this. Yeah. <laughs> Um my love I love what you said about you know no one has a manual and be uncomfortable and it is appreciating each moment um for sure and giving yourself grace that you don't have to get it right the first or second or third time but keep trying to get it right
1: Absolutely you asked me earlier like what what brings me um joy and teaching and I I was able to uh, rattle off like a few things Um, I really appreciate seeing learners feel valued, appreciated, and part of a team. Of course, behavioral cusp of kids is amazing, and I can only imagine from a parent's lens how incredible that is And reinforcing to see that development. Um, I like when different stakeholders' um, breath of fresh air and those aha moments that may take two weeks of services and interventions or it may take a few years but when you see that and can be a part of that human experience with those teams it's like
0: (laughs) yeah you know we talk a lot about having growth mindset for students you know but I think I think adults also really need to have and I feel like it's harder for adults to have it I feel like we're harder on ourselves a lot of times and so um yeah, I love that. It is part of the human experience and we all need growth mindset. So I have a serious question for you as we wrap up here. And because I'm about to make myself some breakfast. And um, I was in Australia a couple of years ago. You know, I have a good friend who lives in Victoria, and so she sends me, she sends me Vegemite. So have you become accustomed to Vegemite yet?
1: Um, I I do like. I, I like Vegemite, but um, some of my kids at the school I was working at previously—they come with Vegemite sandwiches, and it's like yes. thickly layered on there. So, not to that extent. I'm I'm not full Aussie yet. I have a lot <laughs> of, like, I can have, I can appreciate it. I like a thin spread. <laughs> <laughs> a thin spread. Okay, great. It's definitely an acquired taste.
0: Yes, for sure. It's taken a little bit uh for those of you who don't know Vegemite is like a yeast extract yeah thing like it comes in a jar it's black it looks base yeah it has a lot of b vitamins with I eat it because I want some b vitamins and it's pretty salty so I like salt um one last question for you how is your husband doing and what is he doing in Australia what is he doing with his
1: Eli, he's he's doing awesome. This journey has been so good for us. Um, He's such a trooper and diving into the unknown. It took a lot of coaching or convincing to let's just take this leap. He is um, doing property development and working with international um, marketing teams. So he's working in big sky rises and selling floors to people from all over the world. So he gets to see a really different um take on Australia. Than so fun. Yeah,
0: corporate world, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. His family was supposed to come see us in July. Um of course um, that did not happen. Well yeah this month, June July, but
0: hang in there. Yeah. And then what and then where can if people are interested in if people are listening in there in Australia or people are interested in in teaching abroad can they reach out and contact you for inspiration and advice
1: absolutely i don't know a stranger um you can reach me by my email it's ross r-o-s dot lechner l-e-i-g-h-n-e-r at gmail.com um i'm also open to facebook a lot of people like using social media i'm ross heath patrick lechner Um, Did you notice how when I was spelling my surname there, or last name, I said L-E-I-G-H-N-E-R? They don't say H H. (laughs) here.
0: Well, you know, coming back full circle, the, the way that we were introduced to each other through our friends in the deaf community, I feel like you're a person who adapts so well to being in a different culture. And so I'm not surprised that you like Vegemite and that you now say H. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have a whole litany of vocabulary words that you've replaced so that, you know, you're like ad- assimilating <laughs> to your commonwealth culture.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely not trying to recreate America over here. Yeah. <laughs> have to offer and evolve and adapt. Awesome.
0: It was so good to connect with you. I miss you so much. I'm so incredibly proud of you and I'm so grateful that you shared your story with our listeners. Thank you so much, Roz. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The gratitude is sent back to you as well. Thanks, Jessica.
0: Okay. Take care.
1: All
0: right. Cheers. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please find us on Facebook at Mindful Literacy Practice. Our Facebook page for our nonprofit is at Mindful Literacy Columbus. If you are a parent, I invite you to join our free and private group on Facebook, Mindful Literacy Parent Society. If you are a teacher, I invite you to join our free and private group on Facebook, Mindful Literacy Teacher Tribe. You can also find us on Instagram at Mindful Literacy Practice. Our website is MindfulLiteracyPractice.org. Make sure to check out our nonprofit tab where we give you all the information you need to find a scholarship, become a tutor, make a donation, or volunteer. Thank you so much for listening with the deepest gratitude.